Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we're going to be discussing sketches from the Tim and Eric awesome show, Great Job, and the Carol Burnett Show. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me as co-hosts today, it's Elizabeth E.K. Kemp. Hello. Julian Morgan. Oh, yeah. And Seth Alcorn. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that. Hello, everyone. I'm Andy Weld, and today we are happy to have on as a guest, Joanna Harris. Joanna, how are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, now, uh, Joanna, can you tell us about your background in comedy? Sure. So I started doing comedy um, in college. So I was part of a sketch group in college, the Christopher Newport University CNU Tonight. Shout out to that. Um, Way to go, CNU. We have a Bad Medicine alum who will be here uh, for our next episode who also went to Christopher Newport No way. Who? Who? Jess Randazzo. Oh, don't know him. Don't know him. But it's that's awesome. That's really cool. CNU represent. Um, So, yeah. So I did um, sketch comedy there. Um, and then after graduation, um, took a break from it and then made some videos with some friends. Um, eventually that disbanded and, um, fast forward, I move, um, to the DC area or closer into the DC area and, um, was like, Oh, I really want to get back into sketch again. I really want to get back into comedy. So I started taking classes at dojo comedy, um, just, you know, just to get back into it and, you know, meet other people interested in it. And then, um, I started, I heard about the comedy potluck show. So what's comedy potluck? So comedy potluck, I think the easiest way to describe it is a open mic variety show. So basically when people ask, well, what are the sort of things that I can submit? What kind of act can I submit to comedy potluck? Um, we pretty much describe it in terms of what you cannot submit. Okay. So that's that's regular stand-up and, like, traditional improv. Anything else goes. Um, we encourage people to be experimental. We encourage people to sort of break the barriers of, of genre. I guess the broad term could be sketch. Like, every act could be technically sketch. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's a definitely, we get a variety of different. Yeah. And so, how do, so you're involved with that now. Yeah. So, yeah. So I started just participating in it. Uh, Lindsay Deming of Church Night started mm-hmm. it. And then she moved to L.A. And then she came to me, um, Ian McDermott and Johnny Fantastic and said, well, you guys take over this show. And so we took it over. And so it's been a few months now, I would say roughly half a year since we've we've taken the helm. And uh, it's been it's been doing good. We've been getting pretty good turnout. Good. So, yeah. That's awesome. Can you uh, introduce our first sketch for the day? Yeah, absolutely. So this sketch is uh, from Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. And I guess the best way to describe, yes, oh, the sketch itself, sorry, is do da do do um, which is the first Tim and Eric sketch that I ever saw. And How were you introduced to Tim and Eric? So it was it was from a friend from Seeing You Tonight, who's right. one of my best friends now. And she was just actually just singing this, like, when we were, you know, in rehearsal. And I was like, that's so funny. Like, you're very funny. And she was like, oh, no, like, <laughs> <laughs> let me show you. Let me open your mind to Ooh. Tim and Eric. And so it was the first one. And at first I was just like, what is this? Like, this is ridiculous. And then I got further and further and further into the YouTube rabbit hole. And I was like, this is amazing. This is, this is life-changing. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I've just never gone down the rabbit hole. Far you got to go you know, down the Tim and Eric rabbit I've hole. I've gone down it fairly far, I, but sorry. I thought people got introduced to it by, you know, their friends putting a bag over their heads, taking them out to the woods and making them watch it for several <laughs> hours. That's no? also a Tim and Eric sketch. And it's <laughs> okay, I'm sure it is. <laughs> so, sorry, cut you off. No, it's not. I don't even quite remember, but yeah, mm. it was... Um, yeah, so it is, they do a number of um, song sketches. So the way I would best describe Tim and Eric is like it's a local cable access TV show from like another dimension. Or like just a, a dimension, just like a hair off, like from ours. Like it's it's like ours, there's recognizable things, but it's it's weird and bizarre. Those are the words that people usually use to describe Tim and Eric. Surreal, all that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a trip. All, yeah, it's like, it's like, I, I always, I love Tim and Eric. So, like, I, I just think that, like, when they were making videos, uh, they went to Temple, I think, right? Where they, but basically, they, 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 were, they were in college, and they're making videos, and they were sending them out, and they had to edit them in a certain way, because obviously they had to be on VHS and stuff like that, and they had yeah. the weird, like, camera. They kept that style their entire careers, and that's, I love that. <laughs> and, and so, like, so it's, it basically, it's just, like, it's absurd, but it's, like, like it's just, like, hyper-focused on one particular thing, and, and they just make it super weird. So I, that's what I love Timonary for. Yeah. And here's a clip. Slap your friend. Get sexy, kids. Do 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 do. Stinks in here. Smells like meat. Rotten meat. Kids, why would you bring that rotten meat in here of all places? Kids, you stupid motherfuckers. What the hell's wrong with you, kids? All right, Joanna, why did you bring this sketch to us today? Um, I guess because Tim and Eric is is uh, pretty formative for a lot of my, my own personal work. And um, also, so I had, to, well, I was having trouble picking which Tim and Eric I wanted What to. were you between? <sighs> There's so many. I think one of my favorites is Married News Team. Okay. Like, I just love that trio of actors. So that's Tim and Eric. Um, they're playing a married news team. So a husband and a wife. And they're just like these like Midwestern, like white, middle-aged, just like fuddy-duddy local news reporters. And then there's um, John C. Riley, mm-hmm. who does Steve Brule, yeah. um, which yeah. later has, he gets his own spinoff show, which is amazing. <laughs> so I didn't good. know if that counted as sketch. Like that's oh, sort yeah. of its I own. Think it yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely yeah. bringing Steve Brule. <laughs> yes. Don't go outside. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. The thing about, the thing, I just want to say, the thing I love about Steve Brule is that like that character just sounds like what I sound like in my head to myself. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> all like, oh, yeah, like, you know, just go to bed early, then you won't feel lonely times, you dingus. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's between that, like, all all the songs, like, I had trouble, like, narrowing down between, like, all their different, um, yeah, musical numbers. Um, but I was like, let me go with, like, the first one, because then it'd be easier to kind of talk about, I don't know, like what it was about the sketch that made me want to go in yeah. for more. Yeah. Yeah. What's cool about this sketch, and I, I think um, it, it kind of reminds me of like, like uh, Too Many Cooks, like the song is like really catchy. It kind of like, yeah. it like burrows its way in your in your brain a little bit to the point where like you're kind of just like just randomly thinking, da 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 da. Like it's just like, yeah. it's, how do you make a song that just like somehow is just, like, like, even watch the videos and you look at the comments, it's just like, I can't get the song out of my head kind of thing. 
The key to that normally, and I, so I was in a comedy acapella group in college. And so I'd write music for that. And the key to like the really catchy songs is really simple. You have a really simple melody, things that are easily singable. So something like do da do do, which is like literally anyone can sing that. It doesn't require much like vocal dexterity or anything like that. That really helps um, like that repeatability um, and simplicity is the key to catchiness. That's it. We're only going to have hit songs from here on out. Andy just unlocked the secrets of the universe. <laughs> no, but that's, like, that's, that's what makes something really catchy. Uh, but, yeah. So what's the game in this sketch? So I guess the game, and I think part of, it's funny that you mentioned the game because I think part of what really attracted me to the sketch is that like you think you know you think the game's gonna go a certain way and you can if it was any other sketch show like you could imagine like how it would go but it's just sort of like it just sort of like does its own thing um so basically it is a it's part of a ongoing sketch series that's called um oh gosh kids kids it's like the the kids kids zone that's what it's called and so it's a number of like children's songs that they have um, and, but the kids are just Tim and Eric in different costumes. And it, that's another very funny, funny part of it. And so it's, a uh, what is it? Not call and response. The kind of dance where you, like, the person, sh- like, throws out commands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like line dancing. Line dancing, yeah. yeah. And appara- apparently someone told me, Ian told me, my boyfriend slash co-host on Comedy Potluck, that apparently Eric Weinheim uh, used to do DJ, like, middle school dances. <laughs> and so apparently, like, that's where he got the idea because they were doing, like, the... What is it? Um, like, electric Cupid slide. Shuffle. Like, yeah, yeah Electric yeah. Slide. Like, all that. And so he just came up with his own version of the song which is call and response and just uh yeah just weird and random and just like what would you do if you heard this song on the dance floor um so that's that so it starts off like kind of normal there's like some tip-offs that things are that things are weird i like when he says slap your hands instead yeah, of clap your of hands clap. Yeah, yeah. and so like, you're like okay this is a little weird um and then it just like he just gets into more weird instructions um yeah, until until you're at think about your dad, and you're like, okay, uh, what do I do with that? You kind of off the rails from that point on. Yeah, exactly. Don't necessarily go from one to the next one. Yeah. And Seth, as a writer, when you've got a sketch or when you're planning on something or looking at writing, that's really kind of a deconstructed game. This isn't really. This is not a traditional sketch. No. Um. Nor would I expect one from Tim and Eric. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But what are the how do you effectively communicate that this is deconstructed and not bad? You know what I mean? Wow. No, no, no. But I mean, no, that's yeah. important. There's a fine yeah. line between we're going to break this, break it down to its elements and do something funny with the elements rather than like this is just someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Tim and Eric obviously very much know what they're doing. Well, we, um, we, we talked last week about the importance of engaging the audience a little bit. And I, for my money, the audience for Tim and Eric is people who are already familiar with sketch comedy. And I don't mean that you need to be super familiar with it, but you've seen a couple of ed- uh, um, episodes of Saturday Night Live and you know how things are supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So you can appreciate it when they don't. Mm-hmm. So the important thing, if you are writing a sketch that is visibly deconstructed, is you want to make it very clear that that's what you're doing. Each choice should be seen. Like it's sort of like a, a magician doing all of his uh, his or her tricks without um, the the sleight of hand. 
It's like, this is how this is done, right? You know how this is done, except that we're not doing it that way. We're doing it this way. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really obvious about how you are putting the sketch together. Because if you tried to write a traditional sketch and deconstruct it, that's going to look bad. You have to show what you're doing. Yeah, I, I, I say this about Tim and Eric all the time. It's just like their their style is the joke. The way the way they're editing and the way they present you their content, that's the entire joke. And then everything that happens inside, they do like little things. That I love how like, like every, every sketch uh, for Tim and Eric, Tim and Eric experience the same thing in different ways, very very subtly. We're like you know like uh, so he's like um, think about your dad, and uh, uh, Tim just kind of like looks off to the side, and then. Uh, Eric is just like, like, yeah. like, like he's like he's just like trying to just like draw the mental picture in his head or whatever. My, it's like do something sexy and like yes. Tim is like, uh, and but Eric Eric is like rubbing his nipples and like licking his lips. Well, that was really saying that to yeah. kids. My favorite Be sexy yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah. one of my favorite parts. Is that Tim was like, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm just not gonna do that. Yeah. He was like, I want to meet that sure. dad, and Tim's just like. I do too, I guess. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, uh, that was, yeah, that was like, like, why do you want to meet the dad? What's well, happening there? Well, so the guy in the gold jumpsuit is actually sort of a recurring character in Tim and Eric's sketches, right? Like he Pierre. always comes in. He's Pierre. Yeah. And it always seems like in the sketches where he appears, there is some element of him trying to like go out and make some like very deep personal connection with someone. And he's very positive and upbeat and, like there was some other sketch I remember where he's in where he puts lotion all over himself and then it turns out to be toxic and so he starts hallucinating that he's like that he's become a member like a really like he was embraced by a family and like he's like oh and the dad in this family is so like we're gonna go play baseball in the yard and so there always seems to be an element where Pierre is present that like that's sort of an undercurrent in the sketch is some like yeah there's, there's always something like you get caught up in all the abstract stuff but there's always something really specific that they're doing which makes it so fun i mean i gotta say so um yeah these are characters but i work at the public library and i just want to say like characters like pierre a lot of the characters that tim and eric presents like they're just sort of like raw examples of the kind of people that you interact with on a daily basis working at the public library. It's kind of like the Parks and Rec thing yeah. when they would have yeah. the public forum thing. Yeah. It's like, uh, these are the people in your town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say they even use, like, they, they, they don't use real actors. They just, like, bring people on and they just like happen to like Pierre and so they, they bring him on to recur mm -hmm. for stuff. But, like, I, I want to say they actually don't use, like, real actors. I've, uh, uh, there was a Reddit thread. They did a Ask Me Anything Reddit thread. And I, I think they said, like, they do, like, normal, like, casting calls, but they go, quote, from, like, the bottom of the pile. Uh, so, like, they're just like, all right, like, who's these, yeah. you know, random weird nobodies that, that we can get who are just, like, like a, like a hair off from, like, who they actually are. Like, that's the great thing. Like, you can't tell, like, with a lot of them, especially, like, David Lee Part, which that's a whole, like, we could spend uh, probably this entire time talking about David Lee Part. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't figure out, like, I mean, can anyone hear, like, whether if that's him or if that's the character or if yeah, it's all just I, no idea. blended? Yeah. Just I literally thought they got guys off the street, like people off the street. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's really awesome. So, no, I think that's that's what, what you were talking about earlier and another answer to Andy's question is that they, they give the appearance of doing, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, found comedy. Yeah. Mm. Joanna, do you think the elements of this sketch, we talked about how the, the game is kind of, it's not quite a 
coherent traditional game. But do you think the elements that are being introduced are random, like the dad and the spoiled meat thing? Is Are there random? Is there a certain cadence to them? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, I uh, I think the, a lot of people don't like Tim and Eric. They think like it's just totally random. But I think there there is a cadence to it. It's just not one that you're used to. It's not one that that beats to a traditional um, beat. And uh, it's very like it's like kind of stream of consciousness, which is how a lot of Tim and Eric sketches kind of are. But yeah, I don't, I, they, they definitely have a fixation with dads. I know like it's just within, <laughs> within all their sketches is fixation with dads and like. It's just very Freudian. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Or uh, Oedipal. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if they could even like sit here and explain why they made, you know, exactly the choices they made. Just speaking from like someone who's written stuff maybe kind of similar. Um, but just like, you know, you just try things out and you're like, yeah, like that's right. Spoiled meat. Like, let's just start yelling at these kids about spoiled meat. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I, I was honestly like, it's just like, like you said, that kind of stream of conscious where it's like, he's like, I want to meet that dad. And then the next couple of lines is like, smells like spoiled meat. And then they go on a whole thing about meat. And then they think ends up being about meat. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I mean, that's what I love is it's like, I mean, their, their game is the after school special kind of sing-songy music video. Uh, and that that's the the world that they put this in. And then within that world, they can do whatever they want. We did, a, I, I brought in the universe, which is one of my favorite turmeric things for, for the podcast, where they're just like, they're going to be two scientists and they're going to talk like, um, oh, what the fuck is this guy's Neil name? Neil deGrasse Tyson, Carl yeah. Sagan. Not, Carl, Carl Sagan. Sagan. Yep. They're going to talk, talk like Carl Sagan about the universe, but they just end up like just talking nonsense. Yeah. And that's what I fucking love. They create this this world for you. And then inside of it, they just do whatever they want. But when you when you bring up the meat thing, it almost makes me wonder if some of those what seem like hard hard left turns are actually somehow always telegraphed or commonly telegraphed yeah, somewhere it's, it's, in yeah. the sketch or that they're like links somehow other in other places in the show. And now I'm sitting here thinking, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here in like a basement with like red conspiracy yarn, like linking Tim and Eric's sketches, <laughs> and then they're gonna put out some interview. It's like, no, we just flipped a coin and picked a word out of a dictionary, and we're like, cool, let's make it about this now. <laughs> References to red conspiracy yarn making a return here on Sketch News. <laughs> uh, Ek, when you have a sketch like this that you know is non-traditional, how do you approach that as an actor? I. I have no idea. I mean, Tim and Eric. Good. Next question. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I mean, Tim and Eric, they're like what, what Julian's talking about. They have such a specific style and that style in and of itself kind of dictates the acting. And because they're on, they do almost all of their stuff on video. You can get some of those smaller, more nuanced reactions that like, even though like on a stage, you maybe won't be able to see past the the gold shirts and the bike shorts, but in this context, you can get those little, those tinier reactions that show that they are having very different experiences. But yeah, I mean, there's, their style is so specific and it's just, yeah. it goes through every sketch. And so it's, it, that to me almost dictates the acting for something like this as opposed to. That's almost, I feel like that's almost why they choose like actors that are basically just, you know, guys off the street or whatever. It's because like, even the way they edit it, 
like if you got like if you got like a straight up trained actor to like do this, they edit in a way that where like they're getting a reaction that they cut the reaction so short that like it's like like Steve Brule. I mean, like that this they they do that all the time with Steve Brule. It's just like he's like in the middle of reacting to something and they edit it away. It's almost it's anti-acting. Like, yeah, yeah, it's anti-acting. <laughs> it's very like like so um in, in the universe, they also give each other very specific things. So like in the universe, uh the the sketch that I brought. Way to talk about the universe is Carl Sagan. Eric has this bit where all of a sudden he's like, his kid doesn't care about his job. Like he's an astronomer and his kid doesn't give a shit. And he's trying to explain the universe to his kid and he's just like, the kid doesn't care. But like they always cut to where like he's like in the middle of just like, yeah, I mean, like I do this for a job, you don't give a shit. And it just like cuts. And then like, so like even, 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 even if you're acting, you're just like, uh, they, they just do it in a way that's like, yeah, anti acting. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no. It's a. It, it reminds me of um, vines. It reminds me of like a lot of things. I feel like the new wave of comedy is definitely like what is out there on YouTube. What is out there on Vine? And um, yeah, like so many vines like cut off the reaction or cut off the sentence, and like that's like part of what makes it so funny. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, a lot of vines, a lot of you know, viral videos are in the vein of cringe humor, which is. A lot of Tim and Eric. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. interesting. And I think the the last thing I want to talk about on this is like Tim and Eric as a whole. Why, Joanna, do you think they are they are so divisive? Because I am admittedly someone who does not enjoy Tim and Eric. <laughs> um, He's not the only one on the panel. Yeah. So I mean, it's I. I yeah. Why do you think that they're so divisive? Um. Yeah. I. I think that it's just. Um. Yeah. I don't know. One person, a friend of mine who doesn't like them, says like, you know, I just it, it is that that absence of games and rules and structures. And a lot of it does seem random. But and, you know, a lot of people, they want the comedy to, you know, come from an earned place. And so, yeah, like there's, there's building that structure. There's building that game like, you know, like, you know, and there's, you know, some fun back and forth when the game is sometimes like shifted one way or the other. But Tim and Eric just sort of, you know, they just sort of just you know, just, just build things it. along as 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 they go um and so yeah and some people are really interested in that and some people are really excited by that and uh other people aren't as responsive well i like fine. i like what you said right there about it being earned about uh, being earned versus unearned because i feel like sometimes when i talk about you know with someone i talk about not liking tim and eric i end up feeling like like an old fuddy-duddy or that kind of thing where it's like oh like i'm not getting it or something <laughs> like that and it's it feels frustrating because it's like, well, I, I want to get it and I want to be in on it. But I feel like that. But I think that earned thing gets to why maybe I don't like it so much. Yeah. I mean, I know speaking uh, only for myself is that my tolerance for cringe humor has actually decreased over the years. <laughs> like I can't even watch the British office anymore. Like that's the second season of the British office is too much. But one of the things that I think they're doing, and I will say that I did like the pricing sketch. The, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We actually taught that sketch in our last class. Is the the idea that they're not exactly doing parody. I think what they're doing, they're pointing out how absurd the stuff we do is anyway. And sometimes that works for me. And most of the time, unfortunately, it doesn't. As a Tim and Eric fan and defender, I will say that for me, sitting down and wa like how I love to watch Tim and Eric is Stone to out of your fucking mind. No, no. <laughs> actually, I like to watch it like in a in like a hour to two hour long block, like maybe just have it on in the background while I'm cleaning or something. Cause for me, like kind of watching it in an immersive way, 
I think is the has the same effect of or the same impact as someone who is going to go out and do acid in the desert or something. Like it's just kind of like it changes your your mindset a little bit and it yeah. kind of opens you up to the possibility that even if you tend to write with a rule and like a beginning, middle and end that some of the, you can still play and it's I find it very freeing to just see it happen. This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. All right, our second sketch today, Went with the Wind from the Carol Burnett Show, comes to us from EK. Great. Wait, that was yours? Yeah. Oh, good shit. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Oh. Um... So this the setup for this is very easy. It's essentially just a parody of Gone with the Wind. Can you tell us about the Carol Burnett show? It's pretty self-explanatory. It's a <laughs> Carol Burnett uh, small cast sort of sketch show that aired during the 70s. You know, I didn't, I didn't honestly do like a whole deep dive on the show before coming on to this. If you had wanted me to do that homework, I feel like you should have told me. Just well, I, have, uh, I have a question because I only knew about Carol Burnett. To me, she was always Miss Hannigan from the Annie movie. Right. Oh, okay. And uh, so Carol Burnett show, what did she do before the Carol Burnett show? Like, was she just a stand-up comedian? Like, I don't She's know her. SNL, right? Was Ooh. she? No. No, I was going to yeah. say. This is. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can start this over and I can really quickly Google Carol Burnett and the Carol Burnett show. <laughs> no, this is gold. This is gold, yeah, EK. This is canon. Uh, random facts. No one knows anything about Carol Burnett. <laughs> Mama's Family, the sitcom, was a spinoff of a sketch from the Carol Burnett show. Yes, it was. And yeah. Vicky got her own show as well. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And here's a clip. What, uh, what brings you to Tara? <laughs> You, you vixen, you. Stop it. I love you. That, that, that gown is gorgeous. Thank you. I saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. Stop it. I'm sorry. Maybe it isn't Stop it. Isn't it Stop it? Stop it. Yes. Will you marry me? Marry you? You're the scum of the ocean and the chicken of the sea. <laughs> E.K., can you tell us why you brought us this sketch today? Sure. So I, despite not actually knowing the background or the genesis of how, how the Carol Burnett show came to be, it was something I watched a lot as a kid, mostly because it was rebroadcast on PBS a lot. And it's this is one of the most famous sketches to emerge from the show. I know it's one of Carol Burnett's favorites. Um, and it it produced that kind of iconic sight gag moment um, with her emerging from emerging at the top of the stairs wearing the green curtain dress, um, and it's it's complete with curtain rod, complete with curtain rod, as designed by the famous designer Bob Mackey, and it's it's just one of those incredibly famous moments in comedy history. Um, it's one of the few sketches that has like its own Wikipedia page. Wow. Um, it's, and it's, it's just a great, it's just a great execution of parody. What, uh, what are the elements of parody in this that make it so well executed? Well, so the, 
uh, what part of part of I think why this sketch is as successful as it was is the the historical context for it is that uh, I think it was like a week before or a month before something like that. Gone with the Wind, which of course is this in epic film, um, both in terms of length and story and you know Civil War drama had just made its broadcast debut on American television and it won some of like the highest ratings ever seen. Like 65% of Americans who were watching television that night were watching Gone with the Wind. And so it's, you know, because this was the days where we only had like eight channels to choose from. And so to follow that kind of major historic, like television historical event, you then have this I think the the setup for it on the show actually was that Carol Burnett comes out and says, if you missed the five-hour Gone with the Wind event, here's a quick recap. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the beauty of the the parody here, even though it still has a runtime, like a two it's a it's a two-part thing, which is actually how the movie is structured. There's an intermission in the middle. And so the sketch cuts out at exactly where the movie does. It just perfectly captures all of those iconic um, moments in the movie and zeroes in on every single one of those characters um, and what makes them tick and gone with the wind. So there is not a single wasted moment in the parody that does not track and resonate with Gone with the Wind. It's just, it's spot on. Character, plot, all of the great, super memorable dialogue moments and, of course, the green dress. Uh, Seth, when there's a parody... How is that different from satire? Because this feels more to be parodying mm-hmm. uh, Gone with the Wind and not satirizing it. So what's the difference there? Um, there's usually more of a one-for-one correlation in parody um, that you find specific things about the thing that you want to parody and you uh, mimic those in a humorous way, uh, usually in a humorous and cutting way, if at all possible. I mean, you saw specific moments. I, I think the, the the big one that I can think of is the famous last line. You know, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And she shuts the door in Harvey Corman's face before he can finish the line. And then she goes to talk to her maid, which I'm sure we'll be mentioning later. Uh, and the maid gets to give the line. Right. Yeah. So that's that's one of the that would be an example of what one would do in a parody rather than a satire. Satire is a little bit more. Uh, slightly more general where you're usually trying to you're taking aim at uh, perhaps a school of thought or uh, societal uh, mores or norms rather than a specific example of how those would be expressed one thing I was wondering too just like like as like as a writer like as a, when you're writing a parody you have a take on the thing that you're parodying so I was wondering like what is the take on gone with the wind it, it just seemed like it was like slightly more exaggerated a little bit but it wasn't like it didn't have like a straight up message. In, so I, in this, I would say that the main characters uh, are largely terrible or empty. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, and they are in Gone with the Wind too. Like Scarlett O'Hara yeah. is not a nice person. Right. I mean, you have to see her go through hell to even get to those moments where you're like. All right, Scarlett. You know, <laughs> I, I guess I'll have your back on this one. But she is just not, like, she is not a terribly sympathetic or warm, fuzzy person. But she is your, she is your protagonist in the story. Didn't you say that Ashley Wilkes in that movie is like a Ken doll? Oh, yeah. Like that? yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Bashley, I think, is the... The, the, the 
yeah. the the hmm. Tim Conway hmm. uh, parody who's who's just like extremely dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ashley did not have a lot of smarts in the movie. You know, he was just kind of there to be the the guy that Scarlett loved and was obsessed with and wasn't willing to get past, even when she had arguably much better, more entertaining options. That's and a then, cute relationship, right? It's like, ah, oh, entertainment. <laughs> Look, you want someone you can do bits with. I'm just saying. That's yeah. I get it. I get it. You could never do a bit with Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Joanna, E.K. talked about how this is a, a an important moment in terms of physical humor. So what is so impactful about that reveal of her in the dress at the top of the stairs? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, this whole sketch, it, like with a lot of parody sketches, um, and I liked that you gave the background that this came like right after like Gone with the Wind was televised and seen by millions of people. But I was like, oh, like what would you get a lot out of it if you hadn't seen Gone with the Wind? I have not seen Gone with the Wind. Yeah, so like it's, so I've, I've, I've seen it yeah. a few times. And so of course, like that reveal is just so great when she comes down with the um, curtain rod um, on her back. Because even when you watch the movie, like, she has, like, this dress, and you're like, oh, like, that, there was not enough curtain for her to make that dress. <laughs> right. Like, it's making fun not just of the story, but of, like, Hollywood, too. So, yeah, so it's just, uh, yeah, like, it, it definitely, I felt like that moment was pretty referential of it, but I think there is, like, just, a, it's just a funny sight, right? Yeah. Just someone with the curtain rod on them that, you know, in and of itself. But, yeah, like, it, it definitely added a lot, just having, knowing the, the film. Yeah, and Carol Burnett just like throwing herself down the stairs was like, I was like, twice. You know, <laughs> twice she goes down the stairs. And I was like, damn, like, at, you, you you can hear them running up the stairs. So you know they're like not padded or anything like that. So she just did that. And I was like, damn. Well, that, yeah. those dresses, there's a lot of cloth in <laughs> yeah. those. Probably a lot of padding, padding in the dress yeah. itself. I'm glad you can speak to that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying what it looked like to me. Uh, yeah. Although I will say about the, the timing of the parody and whether you'd get a lot out of it without having seen Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, excuse me. We do now because Gone with the Wind has become such a cultural touchstone yeah. that enough scenes of it have shown up in clips or in other parodies or whatnot mm. that it's fine. But in 19, like, late 60s, early 70s, you would have had to have it on TV because there are no VCRs. There's mm. no streaming service. At best, it there might have... There weren't? <laughs> I, I know you're young, Andy, but anyway, uh, and you know, maybe it was in some second run movie houses, but you needed an event that showed that movie with enough people to see it to make your parody funny enough to watch. But, but even if you've never seen the movie, you don't have any context for it, that it is one of a phenomenal sight gag. Oh yeah. Where it's just, oh, yeah. and I mean, it's doubly funny for me just knowing where the dress comes from in the movie, which is that she does go and take the drapes down and sew it into this dress, which actually in the movie is, is you know, a very lovely dress. But just so, so it is drapes in the movie, but then to have that, that joke be, not only are we doing, are we making a nod to that reveal and that moment, but then to actually have it be the literal drapes with the rod. I mean, that's, that's that adds an element to it, but even if you were just to see that out of context today, it's still so. I I think it's still so funny. Like just that moment could stand on its own for a lot of people. Yeah, there there were a couple of other. I counted three song references. Three song yeah, reference jokes. Camp Town yeah. Races, mm -hmm. Dixieland, and uh, Tallahatchie Bridge. 
I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't know that song. That no. there's a side of what Billy Joe McAllister threw out the Tallahatchie. But well, that's why I'm 40, folks. I'm 40, <laughs> and my, my parents used to like to listen to oldies, so I know that song. Go look it up. It's it's in my the Wikipedia parents, article. Like, my parents like yeah. to listen to Currenties, and that's why I know that song. Yeah. <laughs> No, it does. It is like a little okay. If you didn't even know Gomthwin movie, it does tell like a story. Like it, yeah, it, it yeah. is not just like you know. Here's a number of scenes, like not connected. Like it does like do like a quick, like cohesive storyline. So you could even just following along like that storyline, even if you just thought this was just a silly play in of itself. Like it is. It's funny. I think one of the things that we should talk about, and Seth referenced this earlier, is there is. Um, the very problematic parody of Hattie McDaniel's character, uh, Mammy in the movie, Sissy in the sketch. No, Prissy. In Prissy the movie. Oh, was it Prissy? Oh, I thought she yeah. was saying Sissy. No, um, no, so, in the sketch uh, so, it's Sissy. Yeah, in the sketch it's Sissy, and the character in the movie's name is Prissy. Oh, and well, that's the one who had the, the I don't Wikipedia know. Wikipedia is lying to me. Yeah, well, they're, they're both characters in the movie. Um, so Mammy, oh, Hattie McDaniel's character is Mammy. Butterfly McQueen's character is Prissy. Okay. That's the confusion. Yeah. yeah. Both, both, both are problematic. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah. I would say they're, they're in some ways I'm more comfortable with the parody because I actually think the more problematic representations are are in Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. and to me this one read almost as chastising those representations in the movie as much as anything else. And actually, to Seth's point about giving that character that great line at the end, which is kind of like a big F you to Scarlett O'Hara. Like that's ultimately, I think what, what a lot of people, especially watching it in a, you know, 21st century, like that's kind of what you want. The outcome you want for those characters is to have a moment where they can just be like, you are just a crazy bitch and I'm tired of it. (laughs) I guess the problem for me still comes down to the way she's played in this, like, She's not in blackface, but she's played in a blackface style. The way she's speaking, the way she's acting. The, the screeching. Yeah, the, exactly. The yeah. screeching, the kind of the yelling, the repeating, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, the kind of getting slapped into calmness. A lot. Um, I mean, in fairness, she does do that to Starlet, but yeah. it, it happens but to her thing three, end, four times. It happens yeah. to her again. So I think that, I think, you know, I think there are ways they could have addressed that using a black actress would have addressed it i think in a number of ways using a black actress dressed in 70s clothing just kind of being not of the time might have been fun mm, yeah but i just think it's like what like, what are you saying about that like i, I like i the only reason i really know about gone with the winds is because Hattie mcdaniels won the academy award for for best supporting actress so like uh uh that's also my mom's favorite movie um but I was just like, what are you like? What are you saying about that character? Oh, when I watched the performance. I obviously, I without even having watched it, I do know about the characters and stuff like that, just because it's so big in pop culture. But like, like, what are you really saying about that character? I, I, I didn't see any of that. So they, they didn't. I there wasn't enough perspective. I thought given to that, given to the sissy character in the sketch. See, that's. I, I think that just might be. Uh, for me, the there is so much more agency and empowerment given to her in the parody than there is in the actual movie. Like the the parody for me actually is 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 very critical of of how Hattie McDaniel's and Butterfly McQueen are are portrayed there. Even even giving her that moment where she's just kind of wandering around, like doing 
doing the the song, the the orchestral swell as as Scarlett is doing the the pleading on the ground. You know, actually giving her punchlines, giving her things that move the parody and the story along, as opposed to just being a background character that is, in many ways, like it it looks like minstrel kind of humor in Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I mean, still having not seen Gone with the Wind, I don't think I can. I agree with what you're saying about her agency. From what I, I imagine, Gone with the Wind must have been like, uh, and I, I think I I don't think there's any way they could have given that character less agency in the parody than the character probably got in Gone with the Wind. It's just still, there's some stuff about the portrayal that it a little, it made me cringe a little when I watched it. No, it's, un- it's uncomfortable, but they're uncomfortable characters to begin with. But mm-hmm. it, it's, I, I don't know how you would do a Gone with the Wind parody without, without including those characters. They're just too critical yeah, I mean, well, obviously, to the story. Having done one that came award for it. So yes, it's obviously a critical critical role and I, I like agree, I totally agree with you how do you do that how do you how do you do that in a way that's yeah funny but also like and her voice in the movie is so yeah it yeah, is yeah. so distinct and maybe and maybe that's maybe that's part of it too like what you're the voice you're hearing that is actually almost her doing an impression of the the actress now whether that like her voice in that was that's actually how she talks or that's that was how she was told to talk or decided to talk as an actress. I don't know. But that's that voice in the movie is so shrill and aggressive and distinct that you'd almost have to, like as part of a parody, you would have to find a way to integrate that that specific speaking voice too to make it clear that that's the character that you're, you are taking on for the parody. Joanna, what do you think about this? Yeah, no, I mean, it's just... Um something I'm thinking right now um, and sort of sussing through is why they chose the character of Prissy as opposed to going with the the Academy Award winning role, which was Mammy. Um, and yeah, I think that it was probably a good choice. Um, I mean, coming from our 2018 perspective, especially. Um, We're timeless. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, no, it, I'm, I'm, I don't know. That was just the thought that popped in my head um, that they they chose to go with Prissy, who is, yeah, probably she's she's most known for the the babies line. I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. Yeah. And then in this version, you know, after Starlet slaps her, like she's like, well, okay, I'll try. Yeah. Um, and so then that that gets a laugh, and yeah, and so she's a little bit of a stronger, shrewder character here. It's. It's not great, but it is. I agree with EK that it's a little bit. It's a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not 100 percent sure exactly my thoughts on it, but it is. I yeah, it is a lot to think about. I did think that was like, oh, I'm really glad that. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. I was expecting it to be a lot worse, and it wasn't. Um, it did sort of make the character. Yeah, like they acknowledge the ridiculousness mm-hmm. of the character. Not maybe as fully as they should have or as fully as maybe if we had done this sketch now, how we would have done. Could yeah. you even do this now? Oh, with, yeah. With that setup. I don't know. Yeah, you you would, I mean, you would have to really like, you would have to really just totally overhaul it or just like really change the entire perspective, I think, in order to make it, yeah, something that we could enjoy today. 
All right, it's time for the end of the show. Joanna, as the guest, can you come up with a rating system for us to rate the sketches we talked about today? Yes, I would like to rate the sketches in terms of spoiled meats, hams specifically, so spoiled hams. So is it the number of spoiled hams? Is it how spoiled the spoiled hams are? How spoiled it oh, is. How spoiled the hams So are. like from like just- Well, why don't you go first then? All right, all right. So no, from no, so range- Because no, I'm, not, I'm not too caught up on my levels of spoiled meat. Right, right, right. So, all right, so like- so I would say like the first level of spoiled meat is like kind of sweaty. Like, you know, you can maybe still like eat it. Like, and so, and that's like, that's the worst. Like we, if you really want like janky, like we'll go, we'll go with fully rancid. We'll go with, no, I rancid's think the highest, the, the rancid, the no, rancid's, rancid's the, the middle, rancid, cause that's your standard mm-hmm. spoiled meat. And I think I like see. decompositioning like uh, ham, yeah, like yeah, okay. yeah, just, yeah. It, yeah, that's but like a the worst, the who has state been of the ham the better the sketch. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Right. Well, why exactly. don't you go first then and tell us what you think about um, doo-da-doo-doo. Yeah, doo-da-doo-doo. I mean, special place in my heart. It is really, it is a, it's a real decompositioning ham for me. Really, really stinky. Really, really disgusting. You know, I guess I, I it would be so hard for me to pick my favorite Tim and Eric, but it's definitely up there. Um, always have a special, special place in my heart um, of, Gross meats. <laughs> for me, it's probably, it's a bit sweaty with a couple spots on it. It's just not for me. Uh, I, I get why people like it, and it's just not for me, and that's going to be fine. Julian? Um, I think that, like, I would give it, well, because, like, so I love Tim and Eric, and um, just for the fact of making a, I, di- I didn't know making a catchy song was that easy. Um, so now I feel, <laughs> now now I feel really stupid. Uh, but, like, <laughs> I'll give it um the kind of meat where, like, you, like, it's like in a like an Oscar Mayer kind of package or whatever, and you mm. open it up and it smells kind of weird. Mm. That's mm. what I, that's what I'll get. Okay, mm. Seth, uh, I'm gonna say rancid on mm. this. Uh, mm. Rancid. There was some stuff in there that I liked. Uh, I thought the the play between Tim and Eric actually was was pretty good, and some of the weirder bits like I'd like to meet that dad. Yeah. You know, um, the the spoiled meat thing. Even though we are using that as a rating system, I thought it was a very strange way to end that sketch. Uh, and maybe it went Tim into, and Eric, baby. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it went into something else, and that made more sense. But I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say in in the middle, rancid. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, I've got a soft spot for Pierre. So does that ham. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna say I would I would put it at uh, at like you've just come back from a week long trip, and you open the door, and there's clearly something that's just gone south, and you it sure enough it's the ham. So it's like. You can still get close enough to it to throw it away and get it out of the house, but like it's you, you gotta handle it's dangerous. it. Dangerous. Yeah. All right, and went with the wind from the Carol Burnett show, Joanna. Yeah, I'll say full on rancid. Full that on was rancid. I. Yeah, before I, I, after we talked about it, I liked it a little bit more because I find I was, that happens on this show a lot. Then yeah, I, I like think that's a more. good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a nice rancid ham. Um, yeah, at first I was just like, okay, like this is just like a straight. Parody, um, but as we got to talking about it, I, I gained a little more of appreciation. Thanks, right. okay. Uh, I would say for me, yeah, I guess I'd go rancid somewhere right in the middle for me. Like obviously, I've got I've got some issues with it, as as I said. Um, but it's fun, and it's clear that they're having a really great time doing it. They're breaking a lot, and that could be a whole other conversation about the Carol Burnett show. Is everyone's affinity for breaking? Mm-hmm. Um, but they were clearly having fun, and that's fun to watch. Julian. Yeah, in the same in the same exact vein, uh, 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 what you said, like uh, just 
you can definitely tell that they're having fun. And also just the acting was really good. I loved all the furrowed brows <laughs> and just like looked like gazing off into the distance and stuff like that. And Carol Burnett was amazing uh, falling down the stairs and just, it was just her facial feature or facial acting. And my favorite part too was when like a woman at the top of the stairs before she before she just died, she collapsed and died. Her, her um her her dress the the dress got caught in the stairs somehow, and she had to like she tried to walk and she's like oh shit, tried to pull it out, yeah, and then went down. So like yeah, just like moments like that where they're breaking. Um, so I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it uh so like when the, you like Fourth of July you uh pack a cooler full of food and stuff like that for you to eat, and then you like. After Fourth of July, you come home and it's like you just put it in the garage, and then <laughs> you don't think about it until next Fourth of July. Oh God! You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Good. the highest of praise. Yeah. <laughs> wow. that is, that I thought it, I thought the sketch was okay. Black sludge <laughs> in the outside refrigerator. Seth, uh, I am going to say this is going to be a little gross, but I'm going to say it. Two maggots. Two maggots. Mm-hmm. Two maggots. Mm-hmm. Okay. So past rancid, but not fully decomposed. Mm-hmm. EK? Um, I love this sketch. I love the Carol Burnett show. I think it's like a case study in what parody should be. Um, and so I'm I'm gonna say that this for me is like like the carcass of a wild boar <laughs> that has sacrificed itself so that its companions could live and now it's decomposing in the desert and like circle of life is playing above it. Like that's <laughs> as a circle of vultures are winging above it. Yes, okay. Yeah. Flying above. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our guest, Joanna Harris, for being on today's show. Joanna, where can our listeners find you? Online, in person, all that. Yeah, um, so Comedy Potluck, again, I'm going to plug that. Yeah, um, please do. Third Wednesday of the month. Uh, it is, like I said, an open mic show. And so you can sign up on our Facebook page. That's just Comedy Potluck Facebook page. I guess I don't know what the URL for Facebook pages are, but just look up Comedy Potluck. You'll find us. Um, so that's at Wonderland Ballroom. Um, upstairs, doors at 8, uh, show starts at 8.30. Yeah, and so you can find out updates about the show um, there. I have I have an Instagram page called A Salad Bar Review Company. Um, that's kind of a little personal project of mine. It's where I, I review salad bars or, yeah, that's that's right. pretty much it. It's, uh, yeah, it's I've taken a break. Word, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, basically. Uh, a little pet project of mine. Good, um, Good to have those. Yeah. What, what is the best salad bar you've ever been to? <sighs> I think it started with uh, my family's overzealous love of, like, the Ruby Tuesday salad bar. And just, especially like my dad, like I, I think that's another reason why I like Tim and Eric so much is that like I get like his dad, their dad fixation because like dads are funny, like those stereotypical dads are. My dad is a very stereotypical dad in a lot of ways, and he'll just like pass Ruby Tuesday and be like, oh, I "Love that salad bar, got your mm. eggs, got your <laughs> onions, like, just great, nice." Everything crispy you're looking lettuce. for in a salad. Everything, <laughs> stuff like that. So, and he and he it's just loves cup. salad it's bars too. Like overly Have fixated you, with salad oh, bars. Have yes. you ever been to a salad bar? at like Bogo de Chao or Texas Day Brazil or one of those places? No. Because Texas Day Brazil, if I remember correctly, their salad bar includes candied bacon. Whoa. Yeah. It's the, just the one smaller pieces has, like, of meat. Yeah, exactly, yeah, pretty much. Exactly. And, and cheese. Meat, and yeah. cheese. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a high-ranking salad bar yeah. in my opinion. Listeners, <laughs> please like, share, and subscribe. If you have a sketch you're interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We'd love to do that. 
You can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Joanna Harris, Elizabeth E.K. Kemp, Julian Morgan, and Seth Alcorn, I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit BadMedicineComedy.com. 